Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. This episode is with none other than Amber Ardolino, who you may know from the original Chicago production of Hamilton or making her Broadway debut in the Broadway version of Hamilton or the Philip or Eliza tours of Hamilton or tours of Flashdance, West Side Story, Legally Blonde. I mean, I'm not going to read her whole bio here because I do as I get into the interview with her, but... She she was just an absolute delight to talk to. I, I didn't know her before this. I didn't know her personally before this interview. And we just we just talked and talked and she opened up so much. And Amber, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you for really going there. I, I was so happy with our conversation and you just you surprised me. And we actually talked about this a lot uh, in the episode, but we, we did this deep dive into how each social media platform, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, showcases a different side of her personality. And what we learned from all of this is that none of those are really truly her. Like her personality is completely different in a good way from like what you might perceive about about her on social media. And it, that goes with anybody. Again, my PSA for the day is you should never judge anyone or compare your life or anything you're doing to anybody else based on what or how they post on social media. I said, have you always wanted to perform? Have you always wanted to do theater? And she goes, yes, absolutely. Never questioned doing this job until right now, COVID and being by herself and not working and the struggle that comes with that. And that, of course, leads into what I love to talk about on the podcast, mental health and her own sort of road to recovery. As always, before we get into this, please find me online at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Show your support through Patreon at theaterpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Wherever you're listening now, please leave a rating, leave a review. I love to read the reviews. And now everybody, please enjoy this extremely wonderful episode with Amber Ardolino. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. My guest today made her Broadway debut in Hamilton and was also in the original Chicago production. She's been seen as Sherry in the Las Vegas production of Rock of Ages, in addition to the national tours of Flashdance, West Side Story, Legally Blonde, and both the Philip and Eliza tours of Hamilton. She recently sang a phenomenal duet with former co-star Bonnie Milligan on the album called Within Earshot, and her additional Broadway credits include Head Over Heels, in which she understudied Mopsa, and Once Broadway Returns, will resume her role as the swing the arabia understudy and the satina understudy in moulin rouge the musical amber ardolino welcome to the theater podcast hello thanks for having me (laughs) (laughs) you're very very welcome uh i just want to start real quick by by saying that i don't think i've ever seen somebody in such a short amount of time, rack up so many credits that are very specifically swings or understudies. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a mouthful. I was listening to you say it, and I was like, yeah, that's um, a lot of covers I've done. <laughs> um, but it's, it's intense. I think swings and understudies are some of the hardest jobs in, in theater, especially on Broadway, when you've... I mean, like in Moulin Rouge, how many tracks do you cover? I cover 10 tracks in Moulin Rouge. 10. Yeah, right at the cap. <laughs> um, yeah, 10. I actually only started covering um, the Can Can Girls and Satine. But, uh, you know, shows open, we see how shows start running, and then we just started adding on covers. So now um, I also cover Arabia, La Chocolat, and Baby Doll. So the uh, 
three of the Lady M girls as well. So you're just adding them on, you know, just keeping them going. <laughs> I mean, from someone who has never been a swing on Broadway, is this a contractual change? Like, is there, is this like getting promoted at work in a normal corporate job? I, I wouldn't call it a promotion as much as <laughs> We need you on stage. Can you do this? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And that's actually how my first cover added went. I wasn't, um, I ended up not being a cover for uh, La Chocolat. I didn't start as a cover for her. Um, and it was an instance where uh, injuries happen on stage. And, you know, you get approached backstage with a laptop and they say, can you do this? And you just say, yeah, sure. All right, let's go. <laughs> Man, next thing you know, you got a new cover on your <laughs> list of things. So it was a wild, it doesn't always happen like that. But you know, with the show as hard and challenging as Moulin Rouge, I just don't think any of us were prepared to see what an eight show week would look like. Um, and it's proven to be difficult. <laughs> so it's very, it's very, very hard. I mean, the, the show, like I got tired watching the show. Yeah. You know, the the yeah. opening number is what, like a 10 minute marathon, right? Like how long is it? The opening number, you start right out the gate with 30 can-can kicks. And yeah. I don't know about you, but that's like not how every show starts. <laughs> so <laughs> i a lot of shows and that's like not the norm. So um, to go right out the gate, full 180, um, and then sprinkling little numbers throughout that are of that same impact, you know, throughout the show. Um, it's wild. It's, it's definitely something that took so much training and so much preparation. And especially as a swing, um, what was difficult was building that stamina that when you're not on every night, you can be able to go on stage and keep up with the other girls because, the other girls are working and they've done this and they've been here. They've been doing it for a couple of years now. So just signing on, it was like, get your butt in gear, Amber. <laughs> get- well, you're, you're normal. You're the nor- like if you're okay. So if you're not covering for somebody, do you have a normal ensemble track? No, you know, some circumstances it is like that. Like when I did Rock of Ages in Vegas, I had my own ensemble track along with covering um, other tracks in the show. And, Usually in that circumstance, it'll be a track that they can easily take in and out of the show so that you are able to go into these other characters and and roles. Um, So, yeah, I have done that. But this in this situation, I am like your typical swing that like waits backstage. And then, you know, if you go on, you go on. Sometimes you get noticed. Sometimes you don't. And then, you know, you just you do it. (laughs) So. <laughs> normally, normally on this podcast, I always say like, "Tell me how you started. Tell me how you got into it." But I, I, I want to continue down this track, and we'll get back to your your beginnings uh, in a little bit. But I've been having an, an anxiety dream lately, where um, a producer friend of mine has revived a show, and thirty minutes before curtain, it's announced that I'm in the show, and I've never rehearsed with it. I don't know the songs, and I know no lines. <laughs> can't tell you how many dreams I've had like that. So I, I sympathize. I know <laughs> the stress of it all <laughs> in the moment. Yes, I totally understand that dream. And I've been there before. I mean, are you like hanging out backstage, you know, drinking, drinking a Red Bull and you're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then it's just a disappointment when you don't go on. Or are you just like, or the equivalent of hanging out, smoking a cigarette? Like, all right, well, I'm not going on tonight. So I'm just going to relax. Like at yeah. what point? At what point are you like, okay, cool, I can I can check out a little bit? My times, my mid-show swing-ons always come on the nights where I order, like, a large extra pasta and, like, <laughs> a massive burger from Five Guys. So, like, those are the nights that I'm like, ah, I ordered this. I know I'll, like, I'll be in the show that night. So I am... Um, you know, it's and that's the gamble with it. Like when you're a swing, you never know when you're going to be on. Um, but it's also kind of the most exciting part, and that's what I enjoy the most about swinging is that rush of are are you just going to go on at any moment? Like, do you have thirty minutes to get ready and like put on a lip and like, you know, when I made my debut in Moulin Rouge, I was thrown on stage in a costume that I had tried on once. 
no makeup and they threw my hair in a wig. And it's like, those are the moments in theater where they're just the most exciting because like, you know, how often does that happen? So it's fun. I love it. Some people hate it. I get a kick out of it because you can never take it too seriously. You're just like, you know what? It happens. It happens. Yeah. I feel like I don't have enough life experience to be on stage to be comfortable with that because I I just I want to be able to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and know what's coming and be comfortable enough with what should be there to be able to handle anything that changes like anything that needs to be improvised at the time right right so that and that's hard like I I think as actors we're such perfectionists and like we want everything to be perfect and I think being a swing and like given this opportunity it's like completely sheds you of that skin of like you have to be perfection on stage at all times because it's like okay well yeah that's just like not gonna happen so get over it girl like laugh about it or you know be upset that it just didn't go the way you wanted it and like that's not how to live in this business so you know well have you always have you always been like that or has this profession in swinging primarily like gotten you to that point? Um, I think I've always been pretty go with the flow. I went to a performing arts high school. Um, you know, some random funny stuff, which has always happened to me, like on stage where I would just be like, well, that happened like one night. So we were doing a chorus line. <laughs> Here we go. Already getting into the grandma stories. Here we go. Um, well, I was doing a chorus line. One day when I was doing a course line at 16 years old, <laughs> like literally like I couldn't even drive. I was like 15 turning 16. I couldn't drive and I was playing Cassie. It was like, didn't make sense. It was like, okay. <laughs> so like you do. Yeah. As you do the, the first night, that was like my first big show performing, you know, in, in a musical. And first night I went on, I forgot like the iconic Cassie dance, like the dance, the, the red dress mirror dance that she does forgot the whole thing went right out my head. And in that that moment, it's like something where like you can just beat yourself up about it or you can be like, well, that happened. And then you just improv it and you move on. And I think that's from like, I've learned that from such a, like a young age that now that when it happens, I'm just like, all right, well, okay, here we go. (laughs) Cause it's like, what can you do? I, I guess. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) for for me i'm like am i gonna get can can kicked in the head or am i gonna fall in the pit or you know i I, there's just so much i so for me it's like it's imposter syndrome right because like you look around on stage and you're like oh look there's aaron tevate there's karen olivo there's morgan marcel there's all these people like why am i here right and and i'm not saying by don't get me wrong you deserve as every much as much as everyone else to be on but that stage because you're absolutely amazing and captivating. And uh, but like speaking myself, when I when I'm in these situations, I'm like, why am I here? And this is this is just really weird. And that's all. It's so much stress, and which is probably why I'm I'm probably on this side of the mic and not on your side of the mic. No, you're not. <laughs> no absolutely. Honestly, when you are in a cast with like. People of that caliber, I mean, like you said it, like Aaron, Karen, I mean, Morgan, the dancers, everyone is so incredible and everybody's resume, like when you go into a cast with people that have just like credit on credit on credit on credit, like you gotta be on your shit because it's difficult and because they um, are such professionals, it just like levels you up that like you you don't want to screw up because everyone is so incredible at what they do. But, you know, mistakes happen here and, you know, as they always do. It's live theater. But, like, yes, when you are a swing, you do have to be on your game because accidents can happen, things can happen, and you never want to be that person that, like, kicks Karen Olivo off the stage and dies. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to be that girl, that dancer. So, and things can happen like that. So, um, yeah, it is. It is uh, made me very prepared in that sense. 
All right, so take me back to Little Amber. You said you were already doing roles beyond your years when you were 16, but you, I mean, Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge is a dance heavy, Rock of Ages is singing heavy, and, mm-hmm. and obviously you've been doing the sh- uh, Hamilton the acting heavy. Like you've got this triple threat resume, which everybody has to have these days, but what started first? Where did, where did you grow up actually? Thank you. Um, so I, I grew up in like, country town pennsylvania like middle of nowhere like a fancy night out in my town is a trip to the hot dog shop which is a restaurant (laughs) don't know if you've ever heard of it but that's like a fancy night out in my town so it's called it's called the hot dog shop it's quite literally called the hot dog shop and if any of your viewers know what that is Send me a message. <laughs> Listen, I, I grew up at a place where the fancy place was Ted's Kickin' Chicken, so oh, I can sympathize. Yeah. Yes, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I yeah. grew up, like, very country, middle of nowhere. So I started at a dance studio. Um, that turned into, like, a competition dance vibe where I was, like, competing, dancing. Um, and then I always, like, knew I wanted to sing. I always had <laughs> a loud mouth. I was always like singing in my couch. I'm in my in my kitchen singing uh, at home on the couch, and um, I knew that I wanted to be a singer. And the studio I was competitive dancing at said, "Well, no, you have to choose one or the other." And I thought, "Why?" So I actually quit competitive dancing, and I started focusing more on, like, musical theater. I knew I wanted to sing. I knew I wanted to act. I wanted to start getting into musicals. Um, Why? Well, what was it about musical theaters, musical theater at that point? Yeah. The, so the first show I ever saw was – Pittsburgh CLO and Benetton Center actually have, like, a really great, you know, theater scene. Um, so I would drive like an hour to Pittsburgh and me and my mom would go see Broadway shows in Pittsburgh. And I remember the first show I saw uh, was Miss Saigon. And I was so overwhelmed. I've never had an experience um, at, in the theater like that where I was like crying and just emotional and just like in love with it. And I was like, wow, I just like, this is something I have to, I have to be doing. Um, and I like, I'll never forget like sitting in the theater and like watching like in the Heights, like watching like the dancers. I always like was able to pick out like ensemble members and like people that I was obsessed with. Um, And it just kind of shaped this, this path for me that I was like, I I need to be doing this. Um, So I found a performing arts high school. It was about an hour from where I lived. And I would get on a bus every day, drive an hour to school. And I went to this performing arts high school. And I felt, I was, I felt so at home. Like that was, is that was like, for me, like, okay, this is end all be all. I am putting all my eggs into the musical theater basket. You know, I was not going to be a mathematician. I was not going to be a science gal. So like, I just <laughs> to commit. you know what I mean? <laughs> just wasn't it, that path wasn't meant for me so um yeah after that I was like this is it I'm done and then I just had this goal of Broadway and I I think over the years my my goals have changed a little bit and I've just like all avenues of theater have been um so interesting to me but um yeah that just became the end all be all for me in high school I guess hmm Okay. Okay. So uh, then back up to when your dance studio made you choose, you know, you wanted to do both. Right. And was that, was that in high school then? That was, I, I was, I would say middle school when they made me, made me choose. And it was more so like competitive dancing was, um, back then like competitions, like you were at a competition every weekend and you need, yeah, it was like, very hard very like like dance moms right like the show on tlc yeah straight out of dance moms which was in pittsburgh so that was like where i grew up dance moms um that was my life like all in middle school and i realized that's not it just wasn't the life i i wanted it was uh high stakes a lot um 
And so that life was high stakes. So I decided to get into theater, which is even more because <laughs> that, that's even easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I just didn't want to dedicate all my time to one thing. I knew I wanted to sing. I, I love singing. And um, sometimes I, I prefer singing and acting more than dancing. I knew I started on dancing, but um, I am starting to get into uh, <laughs> age I don't want to say age but where you know dancing I realize like it's not gonna be my life forever so um so yeah I'm I'm glad I did because now being in this industry I mean you are absolutely right you you've gotta be able to sing and dance and act and and do accents and then juggle and and swallow swords and fly do you know what I mean swords <laughs> Swords, swords, swallow swords. Swallow swords. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and and it's hard. Like I, I interview women of a certain age on, or people of a certain age um, on this podcast, and you know they're like, I don't know, how kids do it these days because you have to sing and act and dance because you know back when they were in their twenties, early twenties, early thirties, it was like you had the giant chorus. That all they did was dance. Right. And then you had your singers and then you had your leads and they were the actors. Yeah. And you had your like few select, like Cheetah Rivera, Glenn Burden. You had those Sutton Foster. It was like those few select ones that could do all three. And everyone was just like, <gasps> like so taken back by it. And now you walk into Pearl Studios and everyone can do it. <laughs> Where do you think that came from? My, my, before you answer, I want to say my theory is with the rise of social media, uh-huh. It's easier to find everyone who can do it slash those who want to do it. It's easier to learn because mm-hmm. they can watch videos. Sure. And I think that's a, a lot of where I've gotten my training also is watching videos and in mimicking these uh, people that I admire and learning after them. You're right. It's so much more accessible now. Um and the training, like people, you can like, you can do the training. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's so many like avenues to train now in fields that you just have never, you know, put work into before. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's an easier way to go about it, but it's, it's also harder. Like, I mean, to be able, Broadway is now like, you got to sing a, high E and then kick your face at the same time. And then, you know, <laughs> and then give a dramatic monologue. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a lot. Um, so keeping kind of head on your shoulders with that is, is difficult in this business because there is so many, you know? Well, yeah. And well, speaking of social media, I mean, I was looking through, looking through yours to prep for this and you've, uh, you've got a lot, you've got a lot of, of posts um, where you're creating, you're creating a lot of content. And, you know, actually, now that I think about it, the one place I didn't dive into was TikTok because. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, that's why. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because like it's about to get banned today or should we just. (laughs) No, it's just like, I don't, it's just there. And, and I'm such a creature of purpose and function that I'm like, I don't need it. I don't need it. You know, it's something I thought I was like, my friend told me about it and I was not interested in TikTok. I like didn't, I knew it was around and like before TikTok, it was musically. Um, and <laughs> Moulin Rouge made a monster out of me because they asked me to run their TikTok account. And then from there I was like, Oh, I'm going to make my own TikTok account. And then next thing you know, you're creating all this content and now I have, you know, a hundred thousand people following me on TikTok every day that are like, what are you going to do today? What are you going to, and it's, it's like a, it's a beast. It's like, once you get involved in TikTok, like you're, you're doing it. People are creating and singing and dancing and acting and doing scenes and lip sync. It's like such a different world to the other social media platforms. It's interesting. Well, where do you, where do you see yourself being the most authentic or or is there any version of social media where you are your authentic self okay that's very interesting it's an interesting question um i think what i've noticed between i 
love Facebook. We keep Facebook because, like, my mom. <laughs> you know, family. Same-sies. Yeah, family's on Facebook. That's how we wish each other happy birthday. <laughs> that's how you know. Um, so that's Facebook. Uh, Twitter's, Twitter's fine. I'm not really, you know, crazy about tweeting, like, everything I do. It doesn't, you know, whatever. Instagram, for me, has always been a way to collage my life events, my things that mean things to me. Uh, Artistically, I love putting pictures together that, like, look good. I don't know why. It's more of, like, um, like a fun thing, a Pinterest-y kind of thing for me to do. That's I, I like Instagram for that reason. I think it's um, – that's what I get out of it that brings me joy is I, I like doing that. TikTok is the shit show that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok. I find on Instagram, I try to be a little bit more um, – I guess professional. I I just, I like to, I'm not the same person on Instagram that I am on TikTok. Because TikTok is an eclectic group of people that post like funny videos. And like, I, I find the content I'm doing on TikTok is just so different than like what I'm posting on Instagram. And I kind of love that not a lot of my friends are on TikTok because I don't have to like, do it for anyone but like myself like I create what I want to create it's not like I'm like doing like I have to like impress people or you know what I mean and Instagram I think is so like stuffy in a way that like you you're posting your highlights and Instagram is like posting your best bits about yourself and TikTok for me is like fun that's that's so interesting it's so interesting how you described it that as Instagram is being more professional because like looking through your Instagram account, it's lots of, of like it's show pictures and it's pretty like, you know, like the Pinteresty collage and stuff, but it, there's also, I guess for lack of a better term, there's a lot of skin shown on Instagram. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. My mom told you to say that. Didn't she? <laughs> okay, mom. Cool. Ah. Yeah. Um, I told her, Mom. I told her that she's showing too much skin. <laughs> no, no, no. Because the reason when you, I, I thought that I thought for me that you were going to say Instagram was more for like personal sort of validation, and I wanted, and I was sort of leading the conversation into a point where I was like, so posting a lot of pictures of yourself, and and you know, there there's a specific image I want to talk about here soon, but. Um, it's it's very much of like it opens yourself up to a lot of criticism, but it also opens yourself up to a ton of validation, which you know of course goes to like the mental health of all of this. But sure. what I wanted to bring up was that my most enjoyable posts of yours are when you're acting like a total goofball, Aww. because <laughs> that that to me seems like the real you. And yeah. so if if that is what you're doing on TikTok, then I'm going to go start following you on TikTok. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's funny. That's literally funny you say that because I have had um, people be like, why aren't you posting like your TikTok stuff on your Instagram? And I, I don't know. I just I separated the two um, for so long. But yeah, you're right. I do feel more of myself on TikTok. Instagram feels more of like brand deals and, and things like you know, my modeling photos that I've done are, are on there. It's just, it's different than, than who I am. Um, but it, and it's still me, but yeah, it's a slightly not version of me because I am such a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am so relieved to hear. Um, <laughs> it's, it, because when you said Instagram was more like professional, that to me, it, I immediately, I guess I went to the, to the initially the wrong place, but you said like modeling photos. So that to me is more industrial modeling picture sort of photos. But to me, it was like, you have to present yourself as like the perfect body sort of objectified in order to continue to work in the business that you want to work in, which, sure. right. right? Like, am I, am I just totally off base or is that part of the whole thing? No, I, um, I 
so interestingly enough, like through Head Over Heels, um, I was approached uh, from an agency by seeing me in the show that um, uh, assigned me for modeling. Um, so I booked my modeling agency through that. And I can't tell you how many modeling calls I've been on where they ask you to write down your Instagram. Hmm. Which is wild. Um, but it's that we are at that point, um, which also makes me kind of want to dive into this movie I just watched called The Social Dilemma. Yes. Have you heard of it? I have. I have. And people keep asking me to watch it. And I'm, I think tonight's the night, actually. Yeah, I think I think tonight's the night for, for you to watch it. Um, it taps into... Um, all this social media business and how, I mean, it's so prevalent now um, in our society and in my jobs, um, even for commercial jobs, I've been on asking to see my Instagram, but um, yeah, modeling in general, which is probably where you can, why you can say you see a lot of skin on my profile is a lot of uh, <laughs> images through, you know, that, but yes. So modeling, modeling calls, I mean, even having to write down your Instagram has been wild that that's even a thing. Yeah. And well, it, it translates into Broadway and theater, too, because if you've got two people up for the same job, that all things being equal, except someone has 50,000 followers and someone has five, mm -hmm. who do you think they're going to go with? Which is crazy that it's even that. It should be talent, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it should. It should absolutely be talent. But like you said that's not the world we're living in anymore yeah. which just more pressure it's pressured to maintain yeah because like in new york in general i guess why i respect it so much as opposed to like i mean not the shit on la but the shit on la a little bit because new york it's like for the longest time and, and now it's unfortunate because it it is starting to take that turn a little bit i see like bringing in stars to to keep shows open um, stunt casting Stunt casting, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I appreciate about New York for so long is because it is an industry where they are going with you know the person that is best for the job. Um, so interesting that uh, it's starting to kind of take a turn social media wise. Well, then, okay, so walk me through a little bit of the most recent timeline. Um, God, there's so much that I'm going to talk about that I don't know if we'll have time for it's already 30 minutes in you were the youngest member of west side the west side story tour just want to put that out there uh you have tons of hamilton on your resume so real quick do you feel like you're getting pigeonholed for hamilton or are you how you moved beyond that a little bit um hamilton was such a a special part of my life. I gave, I was in it for three years. I don't think I've ever stayed with a show that long. I'm usually like a one year and done type gal. There aren't that many shows that are open for three years. Right. Um, but Hamilton was so good to me. And um, that's why I felt like uh, it was, you know, something that I could do to become a universal swing because I had started in the ensemble and you don't normally transition to being a swing once you're already in the ensemble and you have a track. I just, you know, I'm, I'm nuts <laughs> and I wanted more work to do. Um, but yeah, from, for being someone in Hamilton, there's very few of us in Hamilton that do well now there's obviously more but there were very few at the time that were able to do every track in the show um and to do tracks in other companies so to learn the New York show when I was in Chicago was a whole other spiel because it's actually it was actually different I was like oh cool I'm just going from Chicago to New York same thing no Hamilton is like one of the only shows that I know that looks at its cast and caters to the people's talents in that cast and um, puts them in the correct positions accordingly. So that like never happens. So <laughs> like woman four in our production of In Chicago had a lot of the uh, bits 
And in the New York production, it was woman three. In the touring production, it's split up amongst all the women. So there's different, there was different, it was a learning a whole new show, essentially. Whoa. Yeah. So that kept my mind, like, I feel, kept my mind going because I feel like for me, a year is enough time to spend with a show because it's like, okay, great. I've done what I needed to do with that. I feel like I can move on. I feel fulfilled in what I, the work I did. Hamilton was such a different beast because I was constantly learning new things. So I never felt like I was resting with that show. So that's, I think, why I spent so much time with Hamilton. And, you know, if the book ever opens again with Hamilton, I would love that. But, um, yeah, I I'm, I'm love new projects as well, getting to do new things. Which, do you get... Do you get- like in general in life, do you get bored easily sitting still? <laughs> yeah, I'm massive ADD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> On the nose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. What is it about about theater in general, though, that you think made you want to put all your eggs in that basket? What made you want to stand on stage and in front of a room full of complete strangers and bear your soul. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Literally. That's exactly what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, if you're good. Yeah. You have to. And you, it's opening up yourself to a bunch of people that get to openly just like willingly judge you. Mm-hmm. And well, what is it? Why do that? Right? I don't know. Now you're saying it out loud, I should just totally change my career, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which is, okay, so I have to say, um, answering that question, from the youngest age, I have never saw myself doing anything else. And I truly believe that if I could see myself doing something else, I, I would do it. Um, but never once in my life did I doubt that I wanted to be in musical theater, be performing, do this. It has been like my whole dream and I've never once doubted it until this pandemic. I thought you were going to say until 10 seconds ago. Until, until you just mentioned all those bad things. No, <laughs> until this pandemic. And what it was the first time in my life I ever sat like alone with my thoughts and was like, why am I doing this? Do I want to keep doing this? I could get a, you know, degree, a certificate in, in, in uh, interior design. I could um, teach dance at a studio to like special needs kids. That's something I've always wanted to do sidebar do Mm. like um my not to get like too deep my sister has special needs um and i've worked with kids with special needs my entire life especially like after school um and it's always something i have uh felt as passionate about as being on broadway so that is probably you know another avenue that i would take um, there's avenues that this entire pandemic, I've been like, okay, should I do this? Should I do that? This is the first time I've ever doubted being in musical theater and being and continuing this process. Until my friend texted me randomly one day and she was like, do you know you're nominated for Theater Choice Awards for Broadway Star to be the next decade? That's right. But it's like so silly. It's so silly, but just, like, hearing that. And, like, yes, it's, like, fans, you know, they pick the awards. It's, like, it's not, like, a a Tony's. Do you know what I mean? But, like, to hear that I was, like, nominated for that, like, totally just, like, whipped me out of that funk of, like, why was I ever questioning leaving this business? Because, like, maybe I am, like, right where I'm supposed to be. That's, oh man, my analytical brain here is kind of going off. Okay, so, <laughs> and and 
I hope I hope this doesn't depress you. <laughs> okay. Um, no, go ahead. This I've I realized I've been this pandemic has put me through all the emotions. So like, hit me. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Okay, okay. So what I was thinking was that you're happy on stage. You're getting, you know, you're you're bearing your soul. It's validation. It's applause. It's feeling good about yourself. Um, you can post these incredibly sexy pictures on Instagram. You get the likes and the comments and it's, val- you know, like chemically we're falling in love with our cell phones because it's a serotonin release every time we see the, the, the likes come in. Mm-hmm. And pandemic hits, there's no audience. There's no applause. There's no validation. It all dies away. And it's like you're going through withdrawal. You're getting down you're getting depressed because you're not getting your fix and then this audience choice award comes in you're like I'm, I'm, I'm like oh this is what i'm supposed to be doing this, this is what i'm supposed to be doing <laughs> yeah and and i was gonna ask again i was like but why but why but why and when you said like i i don't know uh obviously this is the first i've heard about your sister but i i assume then that she needed more attention than normal when you both were children, yeah, which probably left you feeling a little lonely, maybe. And so now, as an adult, you're making up for that by standing on stage and getting all this validation what and all this attention. Yeah, you know, I actually never did think of it like that. My, you know, my sister did require a lot of attention, and I think like it was just second nature to just be there for that but yeah also like at the same time kind of getting my my fix of what I maybe yeah never did look at it like that but um interesting to to think about like the psyche of of it all right right (laughs) no I love I cracked the code on (laughs) (laughs) Amber no I love this stuff I absolutely love it and and like I really appreciate you getting so honest because that's I mean, that's where I want to go is have these authentic conversations. And it, it's it's always interesting to me why why people get into this, because this I mean, this business in general, because it's one of it, one of the hardest things to do. And even when you're working and you're successful, you're still looking for your next job. You don't know when your paycheck's going to dry up. You could be in a successful show like Beetlejuice that then gets bought out and gets shoved out of your home. Right. Like, yeah, the business is things so- happen. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so hopefully Moulin Rouge is going to be around forever. Like, that seems like a show that's not going to go anywhere. Um, Fingers crossed. But uh, you've also, like, the side projects and stuff that you've either done. So tell tell me about... Within Earshot. I mentioned it in your bio when I introduced you, but tell me what it is for those who don't know. Within Earshot was a show that was um, starting to get into the works. Um, And then, you know, the pandemic hit. Um, But what was nice is before, you know, all of this happened was we just dropped an EP. Um, So the music is uh, written and um, composed by Jackson Teeley. Uh, it is his concept album and the EP is on Spotify. You can listen to it there. Um, I'm not sure where else you can Spotify. I know for sure. Um, but it gives you a glimpse of all these different songs. It's called the anthems of the in-between and it's essentially love stories. And um, it's about platonic love and like, sexual love and um, LGBTQ love and all these different um, avenues of love from different people, different genders. Um, And it's love stories and it takes place in a coffee shop. Um, I, my song that I sing is a song called end up together. I sing it with Bonnie Milligan and um, it is a song about us and how we, we're in love. We had a relationship and, um, you know, we broke up, had some time apart. And then we see each other in a coffee shop one day, which happens in New York. I can't tell you how many exes I've ran into. It's never fun, (laughs) (laughs) but like it happens. And I think that's the coolest thing about with an earshot is it's just like, it's so, it's so normal. It's like, um, a really cool show. So it's in the works right now. They're still constructing it. They're still getting it going. But um, yeah, that's where we left off with it last. And it was cool to do a show 
um, starting from the ground up. I've never been a part of a process like that before. This is my first time actually, um, one, playing a lead, and two, uh, getting to create with, like, the creatives. Um, so, yeah, so the, it, it, it was awesome. It's a really cool show. I think it'll be really great. I didn't realize it was in the makings of being a show. Uh, I thought it was just like like an album that, you know, someone was putting together of, of yeah. great songs with great people. So now, yeah, I actually want to like see the whole thing now and read the story. This sounds really yeah. good. I think it's going to be cool. And it's going to, it's immersive. It's um, what's, it, they want to have like a coffee shop. Like you are walking into a coffee shop. Um, you can like take, get your order. <laughs> like we'll bring your order to you as we sing. Do you know it's like going to be, it's going to be like a whole thing. So yeah, I mean, it's Jackson Teeley. It's going to be great. Um, and I'm excited about it. So there are plans, I guess, for it when, when the pandemic is under control. I don't know if it will ever be over, but once we're under control and things open, yeah, we're going to pick it up again. Yeah. Safely we can uh, start working together again. It is, so wild that like we really we can't it's hard to create i just did like a zoom workshop my first time doing like a zoom musical online and it's um interesting it's just like a really if we're not meant to work like this artists we're meant we have to touch each other we have to be in the same room with each other we we need that energy that you just can't really get over a computer screen so hopefully you know we get back to that eventually oh we will i mean it's an industry that's gonna that's got to change. I mean, there's the health there's the health aspect of all of it, and there's the diversity and representation and racial equity part of all of it as well. I mean, there's so much Absolutely. happening, so much happening this year. This year is a complete shit show. But and do you know what? I feel like a shit show in the best way because it's causing people to wake up and it's causing people to realize like. Broadway's been sleeping on these issues for far too long. And to be able to have people in a, in a state of mind like this feel comfortable enough to finally express, like, the bullshit that, that they've gone through and then taking the steps to fix it. Um, thank God that this is <laughs> happening now, you know? Like, I don't – this has never happened. This has never been <laughs> – a thing <laughs> well yeah it, it's it's really interesting to me as as a white male because i don't i don't experience and have not experienced most of what i realize now in my 30s that a lot of people have experienced and never spoken up about sure absolutely and it absolutely. you know and so there's guilt about that but then there's guilt about feeling guilty but then i shouldn't feel guilty i should feel grateful and uh, it gets it's all over the place yeah i think i think that what we speaking up and using our voices and uh being there for others this this whole i mean my eyes have it's this whole experience has just opened uh my eyes to like empathy for other humans and cancel culture and being being there for others that like don't feel like they can or be be there for themselves or like speak up or feel like they're being heard like to have that privilege that we can now like use to benefit others um i mean yeah there's it's, we're just at the beginning of this problem and you know i think with time we can get to where we need to be i agree I agree. Um, so real quick, before before we wrap up here, um, I promised that I would ask about one specific Instagram post earlier. And it is it was, I think, early January 2020. And your caption said, Instagram is a fraud. It always has been. A while ago, Tyler Gust 10, uh, Tyler Guster asked Augustine asked me if I wanted to do a shoot together and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Then I realized I wanted to do a stripped down feel good shoot that made me feel sexy, made me feel sexy AF queen, because that is truly the last thing I've been feeling like lately. I left the shoot feeling so liberated. We blasted Lizzo, regained some confidence in myself that I had lost. So if anyone's in a funk, I highly recommend throwing on your favorite undies 
dancing around a stranger's living room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know this post very well. I was nervous to post it. Um, and, you know, I did. And I, I got a lot of um, love that day I didn't expect to get. Um, I was like, in a, I was in a point in my life where I was losing a lot of relationships. I was not doing well with my family. I, I felt family is everything to me. My relationships with my friends and people I love are everything to me. And when that is stripped away, I, I just felt depressed. And I'm a very positive person. I'm always, I mean, as we talk about my swing, I'm very go with the flow. I've always been like, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not, it's this. I, I never took time to process um, emotions for myself uh, hmm. because I was constantly putting on this facade of everything's great. Everything's positive. I'm happy. I'm fine. And it took hitting a point of being like, okay, I'm actually, I'm not fine. I have depression. I have anxiety, which is something I never I just like in my brain because I was always a person that was like oh no that's not a big deal that's not a big deal I didn't believe that I could have anxiety I didn't believe it was like real <laughs> which is crazy to think of now but I just didn't think it was real that I could have it like I was like a superhuman and to to hit the moment where I was like okay maybe I need help and to get with a therapist and check in with my mental health. And I've, I've been on the road since I was 18. I've been back to job, job, to job, to job, to constantly working, to like never getting a moment to pause and reflect on all of the things that have like caused me grief and caused me sadness in my life. I was just bombarding them with like positivity and not, you know, giving myself time to heal from things that have happened. Um, but I hit that moment. I sat in it for a minute. It's scary. Oh, it's scary to sit in it, to sit in that feeling of like, oh, the, the depression that just it just takes over you. It's something like you just feel like you've got a, a lump in your throat. And I I was sitting with it, and I was and I had a minute where I was like, fuck, like. I need to just like let this happen. I think it's the letting it ha let it being okay with letting it happen that I was like, oh my god, when am I going to start feeling better? And you know, lo and behold, I did start feeling better. I got with a therapist. I worked it out. I got myself back in a state of um, being happy with me, being content with myself, being okay with like decisions I needed to make to to be okay with myself um fixing relationships uh talking communicating getting back to that spot where I finally felt okay and Tyler Gustin reached out to me and was like uh hi like you know like I've I've known of you for a minute like I I'm a photographer like do you want to shoot and I was like yeah, I feel good. I was like, I want to do something that like, I feel good. And we <laughs> ended up like, I got to his apartment at like noon. And we shot all day. Like we just like ordered a pizza, blasted music. And like, we just did like a photo shoot. It was like something out of like a movie where we just had such a blast. And like, it was so good to be in a spot where I like was smiling and like feeling good about myself again. And like, it was real. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't yep. this like facade that I was putting on and that facade was shed through Instagram as like, you know, usually is. Um, I've seen people at their absolute lows that I know are at their absolute lows post a throwback Thursday on a beach in Cabo because mm -hmm. like, you know, it's this, it's this facade. It is. It's, it's, um, it was difficult, but you know, now I feel like, and not to go back to social media, but kind of, I feel like I'm in a place that like, 
I'm not going to lie about that stuff anymore. And if I'm having a shit day, I'm going to let it be known I'm having a shit day. Like suicide prevention day was just a week ago. And like, I, I wanted to throw something up my story about that is because I feel like people in this business, especially in this pandemic, like, you know, we think our life is all glitz and glam and Broadway and dancing on stage and having a blast. And like, you know, we have our shitty moments too. And I, I've had a lot this year and um, I'm happy to share that like, I'm a human and it happens. Yeah. That's that's the point. That's the point of communicating and the point of these conversations exactly is is to try to let people know they're not alone. Like they you're not. You're not. You're not alone. Yeah. No matter what. Right. There's always there's always someone to call. There's always someone to turn to. There's helplines if you don't have friends handy. There's all sorts of things. So yes. yeah, as really? I have I have OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which is different from OCD. So it's, it's like, can't see the forest through the trees. So like I hyper focus on, on small details and then like can't move beyond them sometimes. And so realizing that in myself and why that was causing my own depression and anxiety, which, you know, you want to throw it back to like, what you said is something resonated with me is like just putting on this face, like everything's fine because that's what I was told to do as a kid. That's what I was taught to do all through my life, which is be like, are you, you're good. You're good. Just move past it. Don't talk about it. Don't acknowledge it. Just move past it. Right. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. And the scariest thing, and I interrupted you, I, I apologize about that, but I, I interrupted you and you were like, you were sitting in it. That was one of the scariest things that I've had to do too. It's yeah. just like when I'm feeling bad, instead of being like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to go do something to get rid of it. I'd be like, nope. You know what? I just need to sit with this for a second. And it's really scary. Yeah, it is scary. I mean, I it's it's like the saying, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And I, you know, it's cliche, but like, sometimes it just it takes more than a couple days to to get back to a spot where you do feel like you're okay and you're going to be fine but that's okay you know it's okay you know what what's interesting and i i it just occurred to me i didn't even realize this until just now that i used to do a lot of regional theater and I would, on every new contract, I would feel so alone and so lonely. And I just, I, I would question this every single time. Like, same thing. I was like, why am I doing this? I, I just want to sit in one place. I just want to be fine. And then as soon as, you know, like a couple of days in rehearsal, you start making friends. And you're like, oh, this is why. This is good. This is good. And then I, I could never remember from the previous time that that feeling goes away. And I didn't know how to sit in that feeling and be okay with it. It's like we need the, the human the human validation more than we think we need. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just like someone someone just touch me. Someone hug me. Someone tell me that like I deserve to be here. Right. And I think being in this no, pandemic. No, no, yes, you're right. God, you can't do that. Being in this pandemic, you are forced to be by yourself. And it's taught me that like nothing like it doesn't really matter. Like, do you know what I mean? That what matters? Nothing matters. <laughs> out in out in this world right now besides like when you are forced to be alone with yourself like you're all you have at the end of the day and you are what matters most and you need to take care of yourself because if if you can't take care of yourself you can't give yourself that opportunity to be with others and want to and take care of others is because you're not even okay with taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. Um, i'm a i'm a fixer i'm a helper I totally, right? Me too. I, yeah. I see a problem and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, let me play your therapist. I'll help you. I'll help you do this. I'll help you do that. I was playing therapist to so many friends. I wasn't, I wasn't taking myself to a therapist. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now yeah. I see that. Um, it's taken a minute for me to realize that. But, you know, now that I do, there's only, the only way to go is up from here. And, you know, I'm out on the other side of it. Good. Well, I'm happy to to hear that. I mean, I haven't met you before this interview. I'm glad I have met you now. 
I think you're a wonderful person, and I I, I, I genuinely care about your well being. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that you're that you're that you're on the upswing. Yeah, no, I definitely am. I feel yeah. I it's all it was all meant to happen. Do you know what I mean? I I was mm-hmm. meant to. We're all meant to get hit in the face sometimes, so then we can realize like, oh, I just got hit in the face. I need to take care of that. <laughs> you know. And it and it's. Again, to your point, it's not what you're posting on Instagram. It could be so many things that people don't know about because this was like you posted about it, you know, January, which means that you were going through it as you were opening Moulin Rouge at the end of 2019. So Mm -hmm. like things are in theory publicly going very well. You've got this great job in this great cast in this amazing show. And yet privately, you're suffering more than you ever had before. Well, actually, what is even more hysterical and like I don't really need to get into it but the night before my Satine debut was probably one of the hardest nights of my life really yeah um a lot going on and I <laughs> like hit a point that night where I was just everything hit me and I had a really rough night and didn't sleep the entire night before my Satine debut um got to the theater eyes puffed (laughs) puffy from like sobbing threw on a lash and then made my satine debut so all that today (laughs) all that today you can truly have one of like the worst you know experiences nights of your life and then go on and have one of the best moments of your life all in 24 hours. Life is about rhythm and cycle. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and to be fair, social media doesn't see the that I like spent the whole day after, before my Satine debut crying. They saw that like I made my Satine debut and it was so much fun. And I got to like wear a sparkly outfit for <laughs> all day and like sing my heart out. So, you know, that's what I that's what I mean is like, you know, we need to take everything with a grain of salt and like people are humans because, you know, you can have moments, the lows of lows and the highs of highs. And that's just, that's life, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. All right. So we'll wrap up this episode here with the three standard closing questions that I ask everybody here on the podcast. The first one very simply is what motivates you? Oh no, I like being prepared. (laughs) You didn't warn me about this. Um, okay, what motivates me? My friends motivate me. Um, my mom motivates me. She has always been my biggest cheerleader, and I think she's a, a good uh, motivator of why I do what I do and the things that I've done. So I would except say, showing too much skin on Instagram. Except Instagram, yeah, she. <laughs> incredible she can i bet she cannot wait to hear this episode because i'm gonna call her and be like mom he yelled at me <laughs> i didn't i didn't yell i i merely inquired i i'm just inquiring minds want to know okay second question is then what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path Ooh. Something I would tell my younger self is keep not taking life too seriously. You're nailing it. And these high school bitches don't matter. <laughs> I, had a, I had a rough high school. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a great high school experience. So I would tell myself to like keep your chin up, baby girl, because like it gets better, you know? Oh, man. I feel like we need to do a part two at some point that's all about high school, <laughs> high school bullying. And, and, and family relationships. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the final question, hardest one, if you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh God. One show as many times as I want. Ooh, I'm in the Heights. Totally. Nice. 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 Okay. Where can we find you online? (laughs) Now that we've talked about social so much, where can everyone check you out? You can find me on Amber Ardolino on Instagram. Amber Ardolino 93 on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Amber Ardolino on Twitter. But you should watch The Social Dilemma first 
before you follow me on these apps because maybe <laughs> you'll rethink what you're doing with social media. But you know, <laughs> that's where you can find me if you want to talk, if you want to say hi. <laughs> Sweet. All right. You can find more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Show your support at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. I haven't touched TikTok. Don't know if I will. For all you parents out there, I'm on facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review. Please spread the word. Tell your friends. And thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and the outro music in Amber. Thank you most of all. Thank you, thank you for being your best self today. <laughs> I love the goofy. I love everything. It's incredible. Be more, be more goofy on Instagram. That's my request. Hey, that's, maybe I'll do that. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> take a deep breath. Make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.